Hello, this is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Black Talk Radio Show, and we're bringing you social commentary from an African-American perspective. One thing I must let you know is that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this program and others, please log on to KUCI.org. Okay, um, I'm real excited, (laughs) y'all. This guy that's coming on today, he's been on this show before. Well, actually not on this show because back then it was called the Do You Know Show. And uh, he was on there. But uh, since that time, it's become the Black Talk Radio Show. And as I said, we're bringing you social commentary from an African-American perspective. And this is an African-American person that we'll be talking to. So it will be from that perspective. Uh, Let me uh, because he I don't think he's heard what I said about him on the on the website. And so I'm going to share that with him and you as well. And what it says is that on Wednesday, April 1st, 2015, from 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, KUCI 88.9 FM's Black Talk Radio Show presents University of California, Irvine's own Professor Frank B. Wilderson III. He's a writer, dramatist, filmmaker, and professor of drama and African-American studies right here at UCI. Join he and host Calvin Gann as they discuss the university's current state of affairs. <laughs> so that's a surprise to Frank as well. Frank, how you doing, man? Uh, after the intro or before? <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> where, yeah. where they say waiting to exhale. <laughs> okay. Okay. This guy, uh, he shoots from the hip. And, I, you know, I, as I told him uh, before, the last time he was on the show, uh, you know, I don't like people to prepare for what it is that we're going to talk about because uh, I want them to, you know, not to, to, to uh, be ready for the questions that I've been asked but I want them to you know definitely have to be pretty much honest unless they're excellent liars and can lie just like that but Frank is a very honest person uh he doesn't bite his tongue and I know that what we're gonna hear is Frank definitely from Frank's uh, uh own heart Frank uh something I want I want to get into what's happening here at UCA UCI because there's a lot going on but the first thing I want to do is clear something up because I'm kind of at odds with with uh, my definition or the way I interpret Afro pessimism. Mm-hmm. Now I've done a little bit of research, just a tiny bit, but from what I've read, supposedly you and some guy in France, some dignitary in France, coined the phrase Afro pessimism. And from from what I gathered, what he's saying is that it has something to do with Africa and the situation in Africa, and because the presidents and the leaders in that particular country are not uh, uh, caring out I'm gonna say the wishes of others you know they're not doing things the way people think they should be doing then he's saying that they're pessimistic about the condition of Africa and that it would stay the same now from my understanding of what your your concept is this is my understanding is that um, white people have this concept of black folks and it stems from a long, 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 long time ago, you know, and it still happens today because, uh, you know, not not. And I'm serious about this. Not many years ago, white people wanted to know if black people had tails. And this right. is really serious. I'm not kidding about this, you know, and, 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 and that hasn't been like 100 years ago. That's been in, in this century, you know. But the thing is, the pessimism comes in when 
we as African-Americans begin to understand that that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Mm-hmm. And so our, our out- outlook in terms of what uh, we can do in terms of white folks is nothing. There's nothing we can do, so we have to basically do things on our own. So kind of, you know, uh, share that with me in terms of how you uh, uh, look at that, at that concept. Oh, thank you, Calvin. I don't want to complicate things too much for okay. your listeners, but, but, I, but I have to be a little complex because it's what Afro-pessimism is. It's, first of all, I want to say that you're right. It's, it's not what uh, French uh, and Western European sociologists and journalists have coined coined the phrase Afro-pessimism. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's something that came about in the late 70s or early 80s from sociologists and journalists who said, look, Africa is just a failed place. Right. Um, this phrase, Afro-pessimism, actually comes from a black feminist theorist named Sadia Hartman, who was a professor at UC Berkeley, and it came out of an interview that I did with her uh, when I was her student, and it's published in a literary journal called Kiparo. And what Afro-pessimism is, is a lens of analysis. It's not even a a box of kind of tactics that you can take for liberation. Okay. It's a lens of analysis that asks the question, uh, what is the structure of black suffering and how is that structure... um, uh, Comprised, mm-hmm. even to the point of being so traumatic that in our daily lives, you and I as black people, we can't actually look at it. So Afro-pessimism asks us to, in our when, when we can, have mm-hmm. the mental fortitude to be in a mode of analysis, okay. to look at the structure of black suffering. And, what it, and the pessimism is not like an emotional attitude. Mm. The word pessimism is is a analytic word. Oh, okay. And it means that that this group of of scholars, and fortunately in South Africa, uh, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, and I'm going out to New York City, uh, activists on the ground are taking up Afro-pessimism. So what is it pessimistic about? Right. It's pessimistic about the structure of analysis that comes out of Marxism the structure of analysis that comes out of indigenism and the structure of analysis that comes out of, of non-black feminism, it's pessimistic about those three lens lenses of analysis about their ability to comprehensively explain the totality of black suffering. Okay. And okay. so okay. It's, it, if, if people on the ground take up Afro-pessimism, one of the stumbling blocks, which I think is actually productive, mm-hmm. is that what they find is that the is that they've already known the analysis but it has been in their souls and in their hearts uh-huh, but uh-huh. it has been on a daily basis simply too traumatic to take in okay so okay. it helps people uh understand the what what the uh theorist um David Marriott at UC Santa Cruz and Hortense Spillers at Vanderbilt call abjection um and it, and it says it's okay to have a lens of analysis that is much bigger than your understanding of what can be politically done to redress your suffering. 
Mm-hmm. It's okay mm-hmm. to actually understand something about yourself that is bigger than the tools that you have to to redress it. Okay, okay. And so, and so, what tools do you have available to address it or redress it? Well, what? I, I, I mean, the end of the story mm-hmm. is so <laughs> hyperbolic. <laughs> okay, that I normally only actually say this in all black settings. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because because it's really here's 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 a, a, a simplified but hopefully not simplistic mm-hmm. way of thinking about it. One of one of one of the things that Afro pessimism asks is how is the world of humankind constructed? Okay. And it's constructed um, in terms of tactile nuts and bolts, you know, like pol- what Marx called political economy, mm-hmm. uh, widgets that are produced, money that is made. But it's also constructed in what's called libidinal economy, which is the, the collective unconscious. And the collective unconscious of humankind, and Afro-pessimism is highly controversial because it's suggesting that all non-blacks have a place in their minds of of negrophobia right not okay. just whites mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that and and it's not saying that black people are good moral people or bad immoral people mm-hmm. it's saying that the fantasy space of the world that constructs black people as the antithesis of humans when mm-hmm. somebody loses everything in life mm-hmm. job money mm-hmm. spouse they can say i'm not black but that knowledge is subtended meaning it's it's hooked into it's 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 um it's it rests upon the capacity to take that fantasy the phobic fantasy and make it real and see this is and to, and to take a fantasy and make it real you have to have an apparatus of violence mm-hmm. so tremendous mm-hmm. which everybody has in relation to blacks Okay. And blacks don't have that in relation to anyone else. So you could say Latinos suffer white supremacy mm-hmm. because their apparatus of violence, the structural violence that is available to them to, to combat it, is nowhere near as big as, as the white supremacist apparatus of violence. Okay. Meaning the 21 police forces okay. in, uh, in uh-huh. the California, mm-hmm. the atom bomb that the U.S. owns, its border patrols. But they have, because they work in coalition with whites, a structure of violence vastly greater than any than any kind of resistance that blacks can mount. So, in other words, so are you saying the Latino community has a larger? Yeah, I'm saying that that Latinos and Asians it, and Native Americans suffer white supremacy, right? But they don't suffer anti-blackness. I got you. Blacks got suffer you. anti-blackness mm-hmm. from Latinos, Native okay, Americans, I got and Asians, uh-huh. and everyone. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. That's that, that's yeah. that's really something. So, in terms of of of, of Afro pessimism, um, is that uh, something that blacks? Whites, Latinos, and everybody else participates in, maybe without their knowledge, but participate in it anyway. Yeah, I think I think that anti-blackness is integral to everyone's sense of who they are. Now they don't always know it, you know. Uh, but I spent you know six weeks in Cuba, which mm-hmm. I think is the best country in the Western Hemisphere. Oh, okay, okay. However. If I think of if a black person went to bed in Watts mm-hmm. and woke up in Havana, mm-hmm. they'd wake up in concretely a greater sense of wealth and well-being 
because of food, housing, uh-huh, uh-huh, anti-racist uh-huh. legislation, okay. etc. It's just a beautiful place compared to America. But they are all as libidinally, in other words, in their collective unconscious, they are as anti-black in Cuba mm. as they are here. Mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. takes a little while to, to, to see it precisely because it's against the law. Right, but when you right. do see it, it's a really ugly thing. Okay. And you can't think about it as discrimination. It's necessary to everyone's existence. Yeah, even even, yeah, even, yeah. even intra-black, you know, we have been subjected to it so long that even in our families, there's there's this there's this sense of a split in our psyche between a need to ward off the violence of anti-blackness, but also a need to find that little bit of whiteness in one's life that will make one whole again. And so, <laughs> right. and that's partly why we're so traumatized. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And it comes out in the weirdest ways through mm-hmm. mothers saying, I'm so glad I got two dark-skinned boys. At least my daughters are light-skinned because they're going to get a man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a symptom mm-hmm. of the horrible hydraulics right. of anti-blackness coming right down into our nuclear family. Man, that is that is so amazing because I, you know, we just experienced this uh, uh, this past weekend, as a matter of fact, um, in terms of learning about our own division in the family as a result of what's been what we what we fear, you mm-hmm. know, and there's a fear of being black. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you indeed. know, and 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 the reason being is because as I, as I uh, you know, alluded to at the very beginning, we've always seen ourselves as, as I mean, uh, not actually admitted it, mm-hmm. but, you know, but we've been looking at ourselves as animals, as less than other human beings, you know, and it's not because that's, our, that's a choice that we've made, but because of the things that we're going through, you know, we have to question our, we don't have to, but we do, we question ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. Am, am, am I as good as that white guy over there? Mm-hmm. You know, am mm-hmm. I as good as that lo- Latino? And now with the infusion of, 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 of the um, Asians into this country, of course that always comes up because we've always been taught that they're good at math, they're good at this and they're good at that. And so now it's, it's complicated. Because we're not, I mean, who are we good as? You know what I mean? And so like you were referring to this this past weekend, you know, I, I learned that uh, a, a relative of mine had a problem as a child because she was the darkest member of the family. And she was very fair complected, mm-hmm. very fair complected. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because she was the darkest member, she felt less than the rest of the family. Right. And so she has a child you know, uh, who's now 40 years old, you know, who just uh, shared that she, too, feels the same way, that she was the darkest member of the family. And so what does she need to do to be accepted in that family? You know what I mean? Inside your own family, you know, and so in dealing with things outside of the household, that's very, very traumatic. And and, and this is going to kind of segue into what's going on on this campus, Frank, because I talked to someone a, a, a few weeks ago. Um, there was a, a, a black urban music conference here on campus, and there was a guy here uh, and that, that I shared some time with. And what he said was that where he's at, and I'm, I, I know it's happening here as well, black students are, are kind of assimilating with white students because of that same fear. You know, I want to belong. I want to be a part of. And if I'm affiliated with people of my own kind, that might cause a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can either pass for white or assimilate with whites in terms of safety and comfort and those kinds of things. And and I haven't been on the campus 
like you have and I was just wondering because of your experience here how do you see that 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 uh, that happening here on at, 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 at Irvine there are pockets of that kind of of uh, I, I don't want to call it self-hatred but a sense okay. of self-doubt okay yeah uh, definitely I will say this that UC Irvine is is unique Okay. In the sense that for at least 13 years, and I've only been here 10 years, mm-hmm. there has been a systematic pattern of political education going on with black students here in, in the BSU. And okay. one of the things that Francis Fanon says in the first uh, edition of Black Skin, White Mass, he says that if I put my analyson, my, my patient on the couch, mm-hmm. and I see in his or her dreams what you're talking about with your relative uh-huh. in Fanon gives it a clinical word he calls it hallucinatory whitening mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. sense in his or her dreams and unconscious that he or she must become white or disappear these are the choices in our okay. unconscious okay. if I see that then my job as a revolutionary psychoanalyst is to expose that bring those bring those that complex that neurotic complex to consciousness mm-hmm and then help my analysan, my patient, turn his or her aggression not towards him or her herself or other black people or not towards assimilation, but turn it towards the social structures. In other words, get into a revolutionary mode. Uh-huh. And I think that's what Afro-pessimism is helping people do. It's, it's helping people understand that um, the structure of the world before it performs an act of discrimination that can be adjudicated, the structure of the world before it performs an act is generically anti-black. And when they have that kind of analysis, then they lose a lot of that fear of moving on the world, moving on institutions in a robust fashion. And I think that that lack of fear, that understanding that that I do not have to prove to the institution mm-hmm. my sense of, of microaggression, because you, it's hard to prove microaggression. You, gotta, you can only prove it when someone puts on blackface or hits you with a baseball bat or calls you the N-word. But I have an analysis of the institution and of the other people's cultural identity as being integrated with a generic anti-blackness mm-hmm. and that allows me to have a a a, a more um, unflinching form of political agendas and movement and i think this is precisely what the administration is up against right mm-hmm. now with mm-hmm. the black student union and it's happening in a micro level with um these lecturers and uh, professors who don't want to take Afro-pessimism on in their classrooms through okay. analysis. Okay. But they're meeting some really sharp students mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are not um, the, the the shying wallflowers that, that the, the sense the affirmative action babies who are mm-hmm. grateful to be mm-hmm. here that you had before mm-hmm. and are understanding that they are dying every day at your hands even if you're just eating a pizza on the I green. Got you. I got and, you. And this is a really different dynamic that's happening mm-hmm. here, and it's spreading across the UC system. Okay, so so what what, what I'm hearing, Frank, uh, pretty much, man, and I and, and 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 I'm I mean, this is very broadly, of course, but I'm 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 hearing kind of like a sense of 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 who I am, and 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 having pride in that because I recognize that it had, this has nothing to do with me in terms of my capabilities as a black person. Yes, and there's a there's a it's it's I don't want to be too cultural about okay, it. Okay, okay, because it's it's a if it's pride it's not cultural pride it's mm-hmm. a, it's a sense of i can explain the world as an undergraduate 
Okay. And before I came here, I couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And that r- shakes the earth in a necessary manner. Because what the most radical left-wing person will tell you is that you have to explain, the, we'll tell the black student, you have to explain the world in terms of Marxist Oh, political economy of haves and have nots. Right. And the so they're going to put you in a box. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to do it from this perspective. Because that's what they're comfortable at. Okay. And okay. they're saying, no, I can explain the world in terms of your collective unconscious mm-hmm. and its need to have a certain type of negrophobia towards me in order for you to exist. I, I got can explain you. the world. I got you. I got you. That's something, man. That's something. That that uh that 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 clears a lot <laughs> for me and I and I hope the people listening as well. So, um in 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 like your the the African Studies program, um is that is that concept kind of like uh, uh a go-to place for black students, you know, in terms of their dealing with the situations that are occurring on campus uh or or is it is is that even being discussed as an African American studies concept? You well, know? clearly uh, what we have here is a is an embarrassment of riches on, oh, on my this goodness. campus. Okay, and it's not because what what students one of the nice things about African American studies at UC Irvine mm-hmm. is that um, we have some of the leading intellectuals in Afro pessimism on the faculty. Okay, but okay. we also are are not people who hire other black and non-black scholars into African-American studies based upon a political litmus test. In other words, you. you do not have to be an Afro-pessimist right. in order to, to, get, to, get, a to get a job here. Okay? And, and okay. I have been on hiring committees and actually chaired them where I have advocated and hired <laughs> non-Afro-pessimists. Okay. Okay. On the other hand, mm-hmm. this is one of the two or three bastions of Afro-pessimism on this campus. I got and you. it's not just being taught by people like myself and Jarrett Sexton and uh, Professor Tiffany willoughby Herod. Uh, a a uh, Korean American woman, Sora Han, H A N, in Law, Criminality, and Society, and another Korean is teaching this this theory. Another Korean American woman, uh, Karen Kim, in Gender and Sexuality Studies, although she's mainly isolated in a more or less hostile environment, but she's teaching this also. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's not um, it's not just. You know, you can find other tendencies in African American studies in the recent hires as as well. I got you. I got you. Okay, um, this is very this is very key um, because you mentioned earlier that uh, in the UC system, yeah, it, it, there there there's something going on, but in at Irvine in particular, uh, there's something going on. How does how do, how do they differ? You know, in terms of what's going on at, at in the University of California system itself, and what's going on at Irvine, or is there a difference? There's a there 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 are noticeable differences okay. in the sense that um, what you have at in at University of California Irvine mm-hmm. are professors who are highly uh, politically motivated. And really good critical theorists. Now, are you talking about as a whole, or just in one um, particular? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about in terms of of dealing with with black liberation okay. as okay. a concept. Okay. 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 There, there's a there's a, a group of us who are uh, can't be sidelined and dismissed mm-hmm. as 
tautologist or propagandist I got you. Uh, because I got you. of our publication records and mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, impact that, mm-hmm, that our mm-hmm. theory has made. And and Afro pessimism, this is one of the leading centers of yeah. it. Okay. And you have a student body who mm-hmm. is academically and intellectually um, alive to this. Okay. okay. You also have non-black. Uh, I call them intellectuals because they are undergraduates mm-hmm. who are doing incredible. I mean, what the people don't see, the news media, the mm-hmm. administration, they don't see the, the political education reading groups that are happening on this campus okay. amongst all kinds of groups of people that are thinking about black suffering and black liberation, okay. not just black people. Okay. So okay. that kind of synergy isn't necessarily the same case at other campuses mm-hmm. where you have the student body who are doing it, but maybe not so many of the professors that are involved. Okay. But it's it's it's... It's moving. It's it's there's communication between the campuses and it's very exciting. Okay. Okay. That's that's something man. You know because that 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 word in and of itself uh scared me. <laughs> pessimism you know because i i you know i'm being being an optimist myself you know and and it is not so much in terms of what uh what is going to happen or what i see happening is just in terms of possibilities yeah you know what i mean and and i'm optimistic in that sense and from what you just said uh that just raised my optimistic level a a a great degree because the fact of the matter is there's always a uh 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 inclination on both sides to divide you know what i mean to to set people apart when in reality if you're rallying around a concept rather than uh, uh, a a divisionary you know like race or 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 culture or uh whatever it might be those are two different two different things and for me the most important thing is that we understand you know we Mm -hmm. understand rather than listening to someone else tell us what frank is saying right you know and that's right. why i think it's so important for for you to be able to to explain you know yeah. what it is that you're doing especially in a situation like this in a setting like this so everyone listening can at least take a look at it from a different perspective you yeah. know and be and not be not hear that word as i did and say yeah. pessimism oh yeah. come on now what, what what's going on you know well, every black person in my view when they reach about 75 85 they they have to ward off a kind of of bitterness uh-huh. and um, because you know if you read Baldwin in the evidence of things not seen okay and, and he's about to die mm. and he's and he's not doing the lovey-dovey hope for America thing that he did in the fire next time and okay. what he's saying in that book he's saying look I'm just gonna be honest what America does, what it needs, and what it is, is the murder of our children and mm. of us. And that's a very different book than The Fire Next yeah, Time. it certainly is. And because by then, he has, you know, it's it's like the scene in, in Ralph Ellison at the beginning of Invisible Man when the grandfather's dying and he's, and he's trying to tell his grandson, you know, about the necessity of anti-blackness throughout your whole life and the parents in between are trying to keep the grandfather from talking to the kid before he <laughs> before dies. Before he dies, right. Okay. Now, in another 10 years, maybe even five, what you're going to see in South Africa in a party called the Economic Freedom Front, mm-hmm. which is basing its movement, a lot of its movement on the reading and scholarship of Afro-pessimists. I've, I've gone over there and given uh, talks and lectures and engage with them on this. Okay, okay. And this is a revolutionary movement that is springing up. You're mm-hmm. going to see it in Germany. You're going to see it in New York. And you're going to see about 10 to 20 professors who right now are graduate students 
okay. springing up across the country, and it's not going to be a new thing. Okay, it's, gonna, okay. it's a thing to be reckoned with. That's something. That's really something. Um, now, in terms of of what's going on here on campus, um, there was a uh, an incident yesterday, I think it was, and there was some report that there was some guy on campus, a black guy, mm-hmm. so 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 tall, so you know, bald head, with a gun. Do you did you hear anything about that? Yeah, I saw him. Okay, I think I did too because yeah. I was on campus yesterday yeah. and I believe I saw the guy out and he wasn't intimidating to me at all and I was wondering what, do you know what, if anything happened? Uh, this was like a Mike Brown, Eric Gardner thing yeah. waiting to happen. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. Here's a man who's bringing his son from high school to do a tour of the campus as a possibility and they just jumped by the P-I-G-S mm. <laughs> who... You didn't hesitate, <laughs> did you? <laughs> What I say? <laughs> Police officers? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, for for as someone having a, having a weapon, um, I was told later they held him for 20 minutes. Oh, I mean, imagine, man. imagine that. Right. You know, you're you're you're, and this is a, this is this is where Afro pessimism is very interesting because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, black other people who have families have some modicum of of access to protection for their children. Right. We can't protect ourselves oh, as man. parents. You know, man, that's just that's, a lie yeah. we tell our kids yeah. that yeah. we can protect yeah. you. Yeah. And we'll protect uh, you, yeah. So yeah. here he gets jumped. He's put in a squad car for this. It turns out, from what I understand, that in point of fact, one of the officers, I'll use that word now, oh, okay. had actually dropped his gun and maybe lost it momentarily. Mm-hmm. And so they looked for a black man with a gun. I mean, how those two things get together, I don't know, but it never, the police don't need to make sense. No, no, They have no, guns. No, no, no. They can right, do whatever right, they want. Exactly. And so exactly. now, now he, this is his, uh, and his son's orientation to his to, to, new school. His, oh, man. That's that's really sad. That is really sad. But it's, ha- it's happening all the time. Yes. You know, but to, to have that happen here uh, in plain view of everybody else and for people not to at least take a look at it and consider Afro-pessimism, you know, that, 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 it, that's ludicrous to me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it, it it's it's something that happens every day in the in in the streets of Chicago, New York, Detroit, you know, all over the world, and 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 we as African Americans witness it every day. You know, I was out I, I, when I when I worked, I worked Frank at at at, at, at Ford Motor Company, and I was in the plant, and a car came by and backfired, mm-hmm. and everybody jumped. You know, and 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 the white girl said, "They said, Calvin, you're so cool. Why you didn't jump?" And she said, "Oh, he's used to that kind of stuff. You know what I mean?" Yeah. And I took offense to it, yeah. but it's it's very true. We see that every day, and so for people who who don't experience that on a regular basis, they 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 find it hard to believe. Right. But when that kind of stuff comes to white Irvine University, right. you know, it puts a new perspective on things, yeah. you know, and to think that that, you know, you're going to turn away a student and their parent yeah. because of the way because of the color of their skin, basically, exactly. you know, and, and that's that, that that that's so sad. Frank, uh, you know what? What I'd like to do, man, I, 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 I'd like to carry this a little further. We can take a break right now. But okay. if you don't mind, if you could stay another 30 uh, minutes, I, that would I, be great. I'm here for you. Oh, OK. <laughs> OK, you guys, we're just going to take just a minute and uh, we're going to come right back with Frank. And uh, we're going to discuss a little more. And plus, we're going to get an opportunity to, to hear my blog. So just hold on.
We're back. Uh, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And we're bringing you the Black Talk Radio Show. And it's a social commentary given to you from an African-American perspective. If you weren't here for the first half of the show, we have Frank B. Wilderson III here. And he's a professor here at Irvine. And a professor of drama and African-American studies, of course. And uh, he's also a writer, dramatist, filmmaker, and uh, among other things. <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, we're going to really, really get into uh, some things that you guys are definitely going to be interested in. So what I want to do in order to uh, segue into a conversation between Frank and myself is that I wrote a blog uh, yesterday, I finished it yesterday, and I want to share it with you guys. And then Frank and I are going to kind of discuss some things in reference to that blog. So just hold on, and I'll, uh, I'm going to play that right now. The revolution will be Instagrammed. Regardless of our religious affiliation, I'm sure we're all aware of what's called the second coming of Christ. Now, there are biblical accounts of what will take place at that time, with references to a lightning-like brightness, the heavens opening up, and Jesus is appearing on a white horse. The point being made is that the date and time of this event is unknown, and therefore we should prepare ourselves now by dealing with each other in a righteous manner. I was talking to a minister last Saturday about how the rampant decline of church membership might be due to our capability to access a church's activities on social media. His feeling was that people were too dependent on technology and thereby out of touch with the spiritual significance of what they were receiving online. According to him, the only way some people will know about Jesus' coming is if they happen to be on Facebook at that time. Our conversation reminded me of a line from a song performed by a group called The Last Poets, that line being, the revolution will not be televised. In the context of what we're discussing, however, it will be Instagrammed. Jesus' message is that we should be morally prepared for the final revolution that will take place on earth. For me, revolutions or changes take place every day, and I'm wondering if we're prepared for what's going on right now, let alone what's yet to come. I'd like to share four statements reflecting the thoughts of people I consider to be revolutionaries which express my feelings on how, when interacting with others, we can best prepare ourselves for whatever might take place. The first one is, be willing to honestly share your thoughts and feelings for the benefit of the listener. Comedian Richard Pryor, who won an award for his social criticisms, responded to the claim that he had stopped talking as a result of multiple sclerosis by saying, I'm sick of hearing this SHIT about me not talking. I have good days, bad days, but I'm still a talking MF. Now the second one, be contemplative before taking action that might negatively affect someone else. Vietnam War protester Jane Fonda apologized for a photograph of her behind an anti-aircraft gun, which looked like she was trying to shoot at American planes. It hurt so many soldiers, she said. It was the most horrible thing I could have done. Number three, be open-minded concerning the thoughts and ideas of others. Author and activist Saul Alinsky stated that one of the most important things in life is what's described as that ever-gnawing inner doubt as to whether you're right. If you don't have that, he said, 
If you think you've got an inside track to absolute truth, you become humorless and intellectually constipated. And my fourth statement, be always ready to reassess and modify who you are. Renard Davis, one of the Chicago Seven charged with conspiracy and inciting to riot, agreed that if you want to change the world, you have to change yourself. Now, I know that revolutionary activity can be displayed on the social media, but despite that possibility, I'm going to do my best to adhere to the statements I've outlined above because I believe in treating others as I would like to be treated. Besides that, when a revolution comes, and if I happen to be Facebooked or Instagram, I want my image to reflect the joy that comes from my attempts to be righteous. I'll holla. Okay, um, Frank, uh, man, I'm, 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 I'm so happy you're here, man, because uh, when, when writing that blog, I, you know, I know I uh, thought throughout the writing about my optimism. <laughs> and it's so ironic that we're talking about Afro-pessimism and, and me thinking at the onset that uh, it, the, the, the focus was, was on being pessimistic when in reality it's not. Uh, in terms of this blog, though, uh, what I want to discuss basically is these four statements that I made. And uh, the first one being to be willing to honestly share your thoughts and feelings for the benefit of the listener and how for me anyway that's a detriment when people are already have 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 uh, um, formulated something in their own minds in regard to another person's conversation or the, another person period just by virtue of who that person is you know and so in expressing their true self I don't know if that if that really happens like when you for, with you for instance uh, I know you've had a lot of discussions with people who are in opposition to what it is that you're talking about Yes. Do you feel that they can really be be uh, a lot of times? Are they really being honest in terms of what it is that they're saying to you? Mostly or, not. Yeah. <laughs> and, Most, and, and, mostly yeah. And, not. and why is that? Why do you why do you feel that is? Why? Why are people so hesitant in being honest? Well, I think that. That's a difficult question, mm -hmm. but. But I think that Afro pessimism, as I said before, it's a, it's it's not a it's not a you can be a, a genuinely happy person uh -huh. and be an Afro pessimist. Yeah, you could be a sad person, be an mm -hmm. Afro pessimist because it's a, it's it is a pessimistic, analytic view of the governing strategies for what liberation means, right? And what it means to suffer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. What happens is that why people, and not just can't hear me, but why people can't hear blacks in, in general, in general yes, yes. is because um, most people in the Western world in particular, and in, and in America you know, more pointedly, are really only psychically able to deal with problems for which there is a solution. Mm. And mm. what they have in their midst, which they've had for hundreds of years, is someone who has a problem for which there is no solution that can be thought through. Okay. Us people from African mm -hmm. continent. Mm -hmm. And so instead of that, the, the way there, there have been two kind of moves, generally speaking, in which they've made their peace with that. One, up until World War, World War II, is to say, 
yeah, we know, N-I-G-G-E-R, that you got this problem that can't, you know, you, we have actually, as Fanon says, we have actually destroyed your cosmology, ripped you from mm-hmm. your place and put you here. And even if we paid you each a million dollars in reparations, that would only take care of perhaps your labor dollar loss mm-hmm. but not the loss of your cosmology and your right. subjectivity right. and you're you're always going to be in agitation over that but we don't care now after world war ii they got embarrassed by the fact that hitler might have cracked out a turn not that white people are against genocide but they're against genocide of people who might be white meaning he might have done yeah, something to right. jews so then civil society had to start talking about itself as a democratic place that brings all people into it. And that's what the university does. It tells that lie. It tells that lie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, as a, and when black people come and say, I have a grievance for which there is no answer in your structures of mm-hmm. analysis, mm-hmm. then they're like, oh my God, right. what is he going to want from me? Right. And, that's what, right. and they do that with everyone. So what most black people learn to do is they learn to ratchet down their discussion most middle class black parents teach their kids the golden rule of interaction, mm-hmm. which is make them feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, um, in 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 it, what 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 I'm what I'm hearing basically is that because they're looking at things from their realm, there's no need to be really to think about being honest. You know, because if if I if I even think about being honest, then I'm jeopardizing my safety. Pretty yeah, much. and they're jeopardizing their own construction of their own reality. Okay. Because they okay. would have to say, okay, I speak this language, whether it's Korean or Spanish. Mm-hmm. I have these kind of cultural accoutrements. But if I lose all that, I understand myself to be whole and present because I'm not black. Exactly. And that's something I can't look at. I got you. I got you. Wow. Um, be contemplated before taking action that might negatively affect someone else. Now, in terms of... Uh, uh, going uh and 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 knowing um that what you say might be offensive you know as long as it's the truth is 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 that for me anyway because i was just talking to my sister this morning about this because she wanted to say something to someone but she felt that it might hurt their feelings Mm -hmm. and for her that would be hurtful but i mean but for me it's like if it's the truth yeah. You know, yeah. it, 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 tell it anyway, yeah. and, and someone's feelings might be hurt, and they might be hurt. You know what I mean? But in the long run, you know, it, it's, it, for me anyway, it's justifiable because you're telling the truth. You're trying to help somebody. Just like Jane Fonda was talking about, she was. what happened was that she's in Vietnam, and, and some kind of way the Vietnamese uh, coerce her into sitting in a specific area, of, uh, and, and they take a picture of her, and what it looks like, is that she's firing a gun at at American planes. And this is her sense of what's happening. We don't know that. It might have been the Americans that did that just to, yeah. you know, just to 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 do something that make would make her look bad. But the fact of the matter is that she's saying that American soldiers were hurt and that kind of thing. But what won't that like kind of open people up to what's going on and 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 even if they are hurt take a look at what's happening and reassess what it is that you're doing yeah you know and the role you're playing i mean i mean what's the difference she's they're mad because she looked like she's shooting at american planes 
but you're not mad that you're killing Vietnamese people it, and children and, 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 and napalm and all that kind of stuff, and that that doesn't bother you. It, so Exactly. I mean, this is the, this is the problem with, with white liberals. They get close to the truth, but then they get afraid of what their friends and family are going to say. Okay, okay. And uh, I think that one must go through life burning brightly mm-hmm. and trying to find the most wretched people on earth and aligning oneself with those people and to hell with everyone else. Okay, okay. Yeah, cause I yeah, and 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 my my sense of being contemplative is thinking about, I mean, thinking further than somebody's feelings being hurt. Yeah, you know, thinking yeah. thinking in terms of what what I say. You know, how is how well, how can what I say help another human being? I mean, That's you got you got fifty thousand uh, Americans who die, three million Vietnamese who die, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know hundreds of thousands of, of after the war is over babies who die yeah, through spontaneous yeah, exactly. abortion uh-huh. and you want to be concerned about the u.s military's feelings right, right. give me a break <laughs> that just puts you on the side of fascism right okay 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 um be open-minded concerning the thoughts and ideas of others how do you i mean <laughs> i'm very open-minded if you read my second book yeah there is 88 pages which is completely devoted to indigenous theory and the first 44 pages of those think through indigenism on its own terms uh-huh, uh-huh. As, as, a, as a mode of theorizing Native Americans suffering against uh, white colonial genocide. But the next 44 say, given that, what you still have as a situation is that the Native American collective unconscious is as anti-black as white people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I make the first gesture by, by saying, here's how white women suffer, and it's bad news. Right. Here's how working class people suffer, and mm-hmm. it's bad news. Here's how uh, Native American people suffer, and it's bad news. And it's a rigorous book that doesn't just look at broadsides and political uh, tracks, but goes through their, their critical theory on its own terms. And then I say, but, but... All these people are part of a global consensus that they are negrophobic, even if e- they even suffer. If they, yeah, I got you. I got you. So, so, um, um, open-mindedness. If you, uh, you know, because you talked about uh, students and 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 uh, budding professors who are taking on Afro pessimism in a in a, in a, in a sense of supporting it, you know, and so they definitely have are open-minded in that regard. From my understanding, the majority of people who even hear that word, you know, are not open minded. And from some things you've said earlier, it's simply because they they're fearful of being open minded. Is that your sense of what's going yes. on? Yes, uh, Sadia Hartman, who I will w- call the the you know the the the, the creator of the word Afro pessimism in this new incar- incar- in, in, <laughs> okay. you know, iteration, <laughs> right, right. has said, look. If people really got down and aligned themselves with blacks and black suffering, mm-hmm. they would be free. Oh. But nobody wants to be that free. Okay. Because they okay. would not just be free of white supremacy, they'd be free of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's scary. <laughs> and that is scary. In, in, in students and in, in, under, in, in, uh, in politically minded and, and really rigorously minded undergrads because undergrads who are doing Afro-pessimism are are in these classes reading graduate student level work oh wow and in the the grad students you have a situation in which they're at a time in their lives in which they're not like tenured professors who want to build egoic monuments Mm -hmm. and turf they're at a time in their life where they 
simply want to get a hold of the best explanation of power relations. I got they you. want to get a hold of the best explanation of power relations, mm-hmm. and that's what interests them. They ha- they're in a, they're in a in a revolutionary mindset yes. because most people don't want to explain power. No, they want a no. piece of it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and 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 the, and the last thing: be always ready to modify, reassess, and modify who you are. Um, that I think is is kind of like um, the key because there's power in numbers. People think that you know they think that there's power in numbers when in reality the power is within. You know, and 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 to be able to access that power, you have to you have to go in. And reassess who you are in relation to everything that's going around you and ask yourself, am I real? Is that really who I am? Yeah. You know, because as I said, there people believe that there's power in number. And so they want to be around people who they feel are powerful. And the more of us that are there, the better off we're going to be. In reality, you, you only make matters for you, worse for yourself and for everybody else as well. And so how do how do you uh, uh, look at reassessing who you are you know and modifying that if need be how do you how do you see that as being a viable means for it might not change people's minds but at least give them an, an, a chance to kind of look at it and and, and 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 think about it how do you can you bring that out in your classes and in your talks and your books and your you know that kind of thing yes I mean one of the things I ask students is to think about um, not being popular uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and not being part of a group. Okay. But to think about what would it mean to be ethical. Oh, man. And yeah. to be ethical <clears throat> means that one is often alone. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, from time to time, a, a very good, and sometimes it's, it, it's a lagging, but sometimes I have, I, have, I have a good or lagging meditation practice. Oh, okay. And what meditation you know, I've gone to Vipassana a few times, which is a, a place where you go for 10 mm-hmm. days and you practice being dead, right. like not speaking. Oh, man. And you can't okay. speak for 10 days and you oh, have to wow. you have to do these hours of strong determination. But what it helps, in terms of meditation, it's, but what it helps me do, I, I mean, I don't get down with all the hippies that are there. Because <laughs> what, 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 it, what it does for me is it reminds me that A, blacks are the, gra- are the center of gravity in the world. Okay. Even though... Even though every day we walk around with a sense of deep isolation, we walk around with a sense of isolation deeper than anybody on this planet. And so meditation is one thing that that helps me get in touch with my isolation and not be afraid of it. Okay. So that if, Mm -hmm. heaven forbid, I end up like Mumia, Mm. then I can live my isolation with the kind of of emotional and political fortitude that he lives oh, wow. his every day. I got you. I got you. That's something, man. That's really something going in. Um, I know there's going to be some talk about blacks being the center of anything. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. Yeah, I know no, you don't care. No, but, I mean, but because they got to prove to me that it's wrong, not, yeah, not just right. tell me that they don't like it. Yeah, I know you don't like it. Everything I right. say you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but Frank, just for my sake, could you could you just give me a little explanation of how so how are blacks the center in revolutionary theory, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's radical white feminist theory or Native American theory or Marxist theory, the question that is really on the table, even though these things are very complex, the question on the table is who in the paradigm is so oppressed that if you had a political project to 
redress this person, this type of person's oppression, that political project would undo the entire world. And the Marxists say that it's the worker. The women say it's the women. The Indians say it's the Indian. But I've argued with Jared Sexton, Cydia Hartman, Hortense Spillers, and others that it is actually the slave. I got you. I got you. And yeah. so that is the, 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 the most wretched person in the paradigm right. is the center of gravity. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that's amazing, man. It's so, you know, it, 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 it's, it's little simple things that, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it was on the, on the show we did together or, or another show, but I was just basically taking something very, very small like the economy of the United States. Mm-hmm. You call in all these professors and all these specialists and all these financial giants and all this kind of thing, and you make a make some kind of plan in terms of how we're going to balance the budget of the United States. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of calling in the woman on public assistance that's raising five children right on, on four hundred dollars a month? Right you know what I mean? And 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 people don't can't get a grasp of that because they don't because you have no education you have no this you have no that you know but the fact of the matter is the wretched of the earth yes. are the only ones that can save the earth exactly. and that's and that's the bottom line exactly man um <laughs> I, I you know i close this blog with uh with uh i know that revolution you know uh, uh like and i know you know about the last <laughs> I, do. Revolution I do not be televised yeah. you know and 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 people s- tend to think that you know, it's some really big thing that's going to happen, like the coming of Christ and that yeah. kind of thing. That's the revolution. But revolution is going on right now, right now, right now in right, this room. Exactly. And you know, and you know, it's it's Gil Scott Heron's birthday today. Is it? Exactly. You've got to be kidding exactly. me, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> happy birthday happy birthday yes, wow wow so uh um everything everything that's going on as far as i'm concerned if it if it if it draws attention to itself you know what i mean then there's some credibility to it you know and the kind of attention that 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 you're getting you know what i mean and 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 the things that you've done you know, to kind of uh, substantiate who what you're saying, you know, is 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 just beyond me. How people won't want why everybody is not saying let's have Frank do a lecture to the whole school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, let 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 us make that. But you happen. know what the nice thing about it is? What that, is that? that? Black people around the world are are calling me and Jared and okay. Cynthia Hartman, and and that's that's really what gives me joy i got you. i'm going okay. to new york and i'm doing a workshop for black lives matter mm-hmm. new york 40 leading activists and i'm speaking at the at the new school of social research for the for the new black school okay and um you know next week i'm going to the east side freedom library a gigantic library holds about two or three hundred people and speaking there in in a in a quasi black neighborhood in saint paul and so um it, the fact that you know, my agents have tried to get me on Democracy Now! and that doesn't work. I, I Black radio show hosts like yourself have me on mm-hmm. all the time. And okay. that's, that's all I need. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that, 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 that optimism kicking in again. I just wish everybody could hear, but hey, that's the way it goes. Because as I said, people believe their strength in numbers, and I still lean that way every now and then. So thanks for pulling me back into the fold. Uh, Frank, man, uh, it, it, it's been great. And you know and I know that you're going to be on this show. Oh, again. So uh, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that um, my guy, Israel Medina, is coming up next. And uh, he's going to be on from 6 to 8 o'clock. 
and uh, he's going to be doing something called Galactic Soup, and you're going to hear some music, some literature, talk about some film, video games, and, and basic mayhem is what he says. So uh, stay tuned for Israel Medina from 6 to 8 p.m. Thank again Frank for being here man continue to do what you're doing you know and uh, uh, my hope my hope is that people who heard this show you know people who heard this show will gain something from it in regard to what it is that they're doing not so much what you're doing but what it is they're doing you know so uh, as always in pardon y'all I'll holler